Well, thank you for uh, inviting me to come tonight. Um, it's my uh, honor to be here and to share from my heart some things that God has uh, worked in me with respect to uh, human trafficking. Actually, um, what I'm really going to share about is how do we respond to God's heart call, the call of his heart for us? It's going to be in the context of human trafficking. But not everyone here will be called to uh, respond to this particular issue. But everyone here will be called to respond to God's leading, to serve, to reach out, to touch the needy, to touch the oppressed, in one way or another. It may be a neighbor, it may be um, someone that you, you get to know or you, you uh, observe, and it's a one-time thing in your life. It may be uh, something that you're actually called to a particular ministry. I'm here tonight as the result of a promise God gave me 40 years ago. And, you know, there were times I, I wondered, okay, Lord, <laughs> uh, I don't know, I, I guess I, maybe in, in the company of, of Moses, he had to wait 40 years. Um, <laughs> But I didn't kill anyone. I just want to <laughs> I wasn't exiled for that. <laughs> but there were many, uh, many lessons that God uh, wanted to teach me first. And it's just absolutely amazing, and, and Darla would confirm this, how all of my experiences during those 40 years were preparing me to, uh, to serve the Lord in um, responding to his heart call to uh, touch the oppressed, the needy, the poor, those who are vulnerable. Do they know that you're a lawyer? Did, did that get introduced? Sorry. He's not only a lawyer, but uh, I'll just brag. You were the lawyer of the year in Minnesota a couple years ago, weren't you? You were the lawyer of the year in Minnesota a couple years ago, weren't you? Public service. Public, yeah. So, so he's got the tools to, to you know, do what he's talking about, but he's got the heart, obviously. <laughs> I want to kind of talk about two handouts first <coughs> that are out there that you may be uh, interested in and picking up ap afterwards um, that will give you a little more information about human trafficking. Uh, there's a, a fact sheet from the federal government. There's some recommended uh, readings, um, recommended websites, recommended uh, movies. Because if God uh, calls you to respond to this issue, you really need to learn what it is. I, I've been God called me to this two years ago, and I'm still learning about um, the breadth and depth of the evil. I, 
I am astounded at the capacity of man to hurt his fellow man and fellow woman. And I also need to uh, grasp all the more onto God's power and his authority and um, that, that he's the victor and he will, Amen. he will prevail here. Amen. There is, um, there are a couple uh, sheets on what you can do to uh, help victims of trafficking, uh, some other resources. So I, I just want you to be aware uh, of those things that are out there. Um, some of you I, I uh, know go to North Heights, and if um, God touches you about this, we have a group called Servants of Mercy, uh, which I'm co-leading. There's a sheet out there with meeting dates. I also am the Minnesota State Director of the Not For Sale campaign. Uh, my uh, youngest son is one of the co-founders of the Not For, for Sale campaign. It is um, not quite two years old. Its second birthday will be on February 5th. And already uh, its growth and impact has been beyond what anyone could have imagined. Uh, with uh, a presence in 33 states, well actually all through the United States, uh, with email and websites and then in a number of foreign countries. So there's a, also a brochure on uh, the Not For Sale campaign. And we are working in Minnesota to um, not only uh, come alongside the service agencies that care for the victims of trafficking, but beginning, we're beginning to look at some of the broader issues. Uh, I've come to realize, for example, that uh, there are some some agencies in town, uh, Treehouse is one, Source is another, they're Christian agencies that work with uh, runaway kids, kids from troubled families. Those people are in uh, the preventive business because runaways are uh, one of the most likely candidates to be trafficked. And so uh, poverty, systemic poverty is another major reason <laughs> that traffickers can operate so broadly. So we're looking at uh, a number of, of projects that we want to get started. I'm not going to take time, that's, I'm not going to talk about that anymore. Uh, I do have a sign-up sheet out there. Um, name, email address, and telephone number. Telephone number is important only if you don't print clearly, and I can't read your email address. But please save me the time and print clearly. Sign it only, it, and there, there are a couple choices there. Sign up uh, to get information about, to get on the Servants of Mercy <coughs> email list, or the Not For Sale email list, or both. Just put a check under the, the appropriate place. And if you don't want to sign up, that's fine. <laughs> Although I will ask each one before you know. <laughs> Finally, I want to mention two books. 
I'm not selling them. I don't have copies here. One is called Not For Sale, written by one of the co-founders of the Not For Sale campaign. It is, uh, I'm biased, obviously, about the value of this book, but uh, people who have no reason to be biased have told me that they think this is about the best book that you can read on the topic to give you an overview of uh, not only trafficking, the, the value, and I think, in fact, I think what got me through the book was that there are parallel tracks talking about people who get trafficked and then those who have been called, uh, most of them are Christian organizations, some of them aren't, but who have been called to stem the tide, to step in, because to rescue someone who's been trafficked without then coming alongside and um, working to heal those wounds and to restore them, and, and in most countries to give them a marketable skill, if you don't do that, you haven't done what needs to be done because uh, you will only return them to the trafficker. Uh, this can be purchased on the, uh, uh, at Barnes & Noble uh, or through, oh, I'm sure, Amazon and uh, the Not For Sale uh, website, uh, www.notforsalecampaign.org. The other book is equally, or more important, this is called Grinding the Face of the Poor. Uh, it, it's a compilation of, well, the first 100 plus pages is simply a compilation of verses from Scripture on justice. And this is not a quick read. This is one where you may read a verse and stop, <coughs> a couple of them and stop. And then the, the, the last uh, 70 or 80 pages are some other readings on, on justice. So... Uh, that, as far as I know, the last, uh, I was told, the only place you can obtain it is through the uh, North Central University bookstore in downtown Minneapolis. Okay. Um, enough introductory stuff. <coughs> Are you convinced, deep down in your heart, that God really loves you? Now you may think, why in the world is he asking that question? It's because I've reached the conclusion that if you're not, you're going to hold back in your growth with the Lord because the Lord's going to be calling you to make changes in your life. And He's going to be calling you to reach out in service. And in both instances, some of those calls will be uncomfortable. They'll, they'll uh, ask you, He'll ask you, to take actions that you're not so sure you want to make. For example, maybe there are some um, habits in your life, 
They may not be sinful, but they may not really um, further your walk with the Lord. Um, I mean, just one example is I like to read the sports pages when the paper arrives in the morning. I've learned that if I do that first, before I sit down and uh, feast on the bread of life, that I normally don't get to the bread of life. So that's a, a change I've had to make. And so now sometimes I don't get to the sports pages, but I'm better off for it. <laughs> or maybe there's a sin in your life. And, and you know, we get comfortable with our habits of living. Um, I'm going I'm to mention pornography. And the reason I do that is in part because uh, people who are depicted in pornographic pictures, uh, movies, what have you, are often trafficked individuals. But it's also, uh, on the other side of the equation, uh, statistically speaking, there are a lot of people of faith who are caught up with pornography. And it becomes a way of um, satisfying some desires that aren't healthy for you. And in fact, um, our son-in-law who went to, to Bethel told us that some of, a couple of his friends confided in him that they were hooked on pornography and it was a, it was like a vice grip on them. And it was adversely affecting their relationships, their grades. But even if, uh, if you're looking at pornography, that's not what God wants for you. It's the meaning of the people who are depicted. And it's uh, demeaning and harmful to any relationship that you want to have with someone of the opposite sex. And yet it is so readily available. In fact, uh, I've heard people talk about they turn on their computer and whether it's a virus or you know some pornographic picture just pops up, you know it's right there. Um, but do you believe God really has something better for you? Is the question? Does He love you enough that? the change he wants to make in you will bring you to a better place in life. So I go back again to my equation, my statement that you really have to know God loves you because then you're convinced that you can walk through uh, down any path he takes you because he know, you know without a shadow of a doubt that that's the best path to be on and the best destination to end up in. I'm going to liken that a little bit to the Israelites uh, leaving Egypt. 
You know, I, I haven't gone back now uh, and reread that recently, but I, I, I don't think Scripture says that every Israelite put blood of the lamb over their door mantle. And I think uh, Scripture is silent as to every whether every Israelite left Egypt. I can see some, you know, that they were complaining. They were under bondage. They wanted to get out. But when God came along and spoke through Moses about what they had to do, I can see some of them saying, well, we've been here for how many years? 400 years, was it? No. We're going to go out and wander around in the, in the desert. What are those Israelite or Egyptians going to think if we put blood on uh, over our door? You know, I don't want to get my slave master angry at me. I think there were some people like that, and we do know the vast majority left, but then they got out in the desert, and the trip. If they had gone directly to the promised land, it would have only taken a couple weeks. But then there was some grumbling and complaining that started. Why did God lead us out here? We don't have food. Well, the food he's giving us, we're getting bored with it. We were well fed back in Egypt. We don't believe God really loves us, is what they're saying. We don't believe it's worth the trip. They were wanting to live where they were comfortable instead of living in faith, which in the long run is always more exciting. <laughs> now, I've been on a number of those trips, and um, in some respects, um, as I've already indicated, for, for me getting to this point, my trip started many years ago. But in earnest, I can I can go back about uh, six or seven years when God started focusing me on verses related to God's heart for justice and mercy for the oppressed, the poor, the hungry, the naked, and I didn't know exactly what that was all about and why that was the case, but I'd be reading through scripture and this verse would jump out at me. You know, I'd read many times before, but this time it was different. And I was taking notice. And I started then responding. And you need to know that when you're on your trip to the promised land, that there will be obstacles that will come along. And I'll just sh very briefly share two of them in relating to um, directly to, to what I'm doing now. Uh, as I started work in the area of human trafficking, I really wanted to, I had this heart's desire to be able to come alongside some of the victims of human trafficking and um, to minister God's love directly to them. 
Well, that's not so easy because, um, for a number of reasons, but uh, I was uh, working closely with one organization called the Civil Society that um, services internationally trafficked um, uh, victims, and I had um, expressed my desire to be to, to be able to have some contact and uh, with with some victims, which in and of itself, being a man, there's all of these um, particular victims were victims of um, of um, uh, sex trafficking. I realized that in and of itself is a problem, um, but you know I kept saying, "Lord, this is this is what I want to do. I want to be helpful." And one day I was at a at a meeting with the executive director of the civil society, and after the meeting, we were walking out the door, and she said. Um, One of the women needs to get to a medical appointment tomorrow. It's critical that she gets there, and we don't have anyone to do it. Could you drive her to the appointment? Now, you might think I would have said, yes, immediately, yes, yes. Inside, my initial reaction was, uh... Lord, why tomorrow? I had, I had some plans to do some things, some fun things. This is really inconvenient. But I uh, managed to get out, yes, I'd be happy to help. Another time, I had just gotten this book, Grinding the Face of the Poor, and I was reading in the, uh, the introduction, and there was um, the uh, person who compiled the, the book took us to the, um, the story of uh, the rich man and, and Lazarus. The rich man and Lazarus, the, the poor beggar sitting by the, the door of the rich man's house looking to get, eat any uh, morsel that might drop from the rich man's table, otherwise ignored. And then, you probably know the story, they both died, etc. And the person made the point here that, so what was really the sin of the rich man? It wasn't that he oppressed Lazarus, it was that he ignored him. And he made the point that we in America might be guilty of doing that. So this was a Sunday morning, and we're sitting in the living room, and I said, Darla, let me tell you about this. This is, this really strikes me. Ah, ah, this is so significant. And I was sort of charged up. God had shown me this. And we went off to church. And we go to the Fellowship Hall in Roseville, uh, North Heights. 11 o'clock service. And the service was over. And Pastor Eric came up to me after the service and he said, 
there's a young homeless man here. And because of your work, maybe you know of um, some way to find some, some uh, housing for him. Yes, based upon the last story, you know, my response was in my head, Lord, this is not funny. <laughs> we had company coming for dinner that day. Um, how am I going to do this? Lord, this is not fair. So, well, what did you just read this morning? I don't care. <laughs> it's not fair. <laughs> and I grumpily said, well, I'll see what I can do. Long story short, um, the problem got solved rather quickly, and, and he walked out by himself, and, and that was an okay thing, under the, because I'm not giving you all the details. But I just suddenly had a sense that that was an angel, <laughs> and that God was just testing me. So I want to, what I want to say, I, I share this, not to really so much tell my story, but for all of you to recognize that as God lays a call on your heart and you respond to it and there's that excitement, He's going to ask you, do you really mean it? And you're going to have to go back to say, do I really believe God loves me? Is it worth changing my plans? to follow the call of the Lord. And it is worth it. That was just a prelude. <laughs> I want to talk a little bit about uh, human trafficking and give you just some details. Uh, I don't know what you know about trafficking, but I'm just going to um, give you a quick uh, quick and dirty little um, short summary of what trafficking is. Human trafficking is basically taking some action for the purpose of facilitating the sexual or economic exploitation of another person. <laughs> That's what it boils down to. Now the legal definitions are much longer than that, <coughs> and I won't bore you with them. But it's 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 taking advantage of another person and putting them in a place where they lose all freedom. And it, you basically have your sex trafficking or sex uh, exploitation, which can involve prostitution. I'm going to talk about that a little bit later, but let me just say at this point, you may have heard people say, well, prostitution is the oldest profession, but in reality, prostitution is the oldest oppression. And we've been uh, really sold a lie that the women who are involved, <coughs> the women who are involved in prostitution 
uh, are there because it's their own choice. And I can tell you that when the average age of a girl in Minnesota being pulled into prostitution is 12 years old, there's nothing voluntary about that. Average age. That means some are younger. A 12-year-old does not wake up one day and say, Oh, what a glorious day! I want to be a prostitute. <laughs> I, 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 sorry, I need to get back. <laughs> um, stripping, pornography, uh, other types of sexual exploitation are... are uh, part of uh, sex trafficking. Then there's economic exploitation or labor trafficking that can take uh, various forms such as debt bondage, uh, domestic help, forced labor, child soldiers. Uh, it goes on and on and, and I won't go into any details there. So some of you um, are saying, wait a minute, how can this be? Slavery was abolished many years ago in this country and in fact there are laws uh, prohibiting slavery in almost every country of the world. So why does it still exist? It still exists because the lust for power and control over others still exists in the hearts of, heart of mankind. And thus slavery continues. It continues underground. Out of sight, which is why we um, we haven't heard about it. And it's only recently that we're beginning to hear about uh, the existence of, of slavery today. And we need to respond as the uh, abolitionists did, uh, the Wilbur Wilbur forces, uh, Wilbur Wilbur force back in England, the abolitionists here in this country, we need to respond again. And these were Christian people being called by God to bring of freedom to people. And we say, well, okay, but so you, that, that's not real evangelism. And I say, how can people who are enslaved ever hear about the love of the Lord if they are in a place where they can't hear anything, they can't read anything on their own, you can't go in and talk to them. They need to see the love of the Lord because they have been so abused that they don't trust anyone. And words will be meaningless. And they need to know that when someone comes to rescue them, they're not going to say thank you at that point because they are thinking, well, well, how is this person going to abuse me? One day I delivered a bed to a safe house uh, after some Chinese women had just been um, rescued as uh, a result of a police raid. And I walked in carrying this bed, and there were six <coughs> cases of women who turned and looked at me. This is the day after they were freed. So first of all, they're in an, um, a brothel. They're being raped many times a day. You know, if you, you read about uh, a, a, a brothel bust, 
you know, the papers will were, were talk about the women servicing the men, and that's dressing it up. They're being raped because they don't really, they're not, there's nothing consensual about this. So they're being raped. And then the police come swooping in, and they're wondering what in the world's going on now. And then they're taken to another house. And I saw fear written over their faces. And I saw, I almost heard them say, what's he going to do to us? Damn, a man bringing a mattress in. So, I'm sorry, I get um, carried away with some of these things here. Um, so we may ask, uh, how do people get caught up in the net of modern-day slavery? Uh, the victims uh, traffic the majority are poor and are otherwise vulnerable in approximately 80% approximately are women and up to half are children. And the trafficker uses three basic tools uh, to lure and then trap his victim. I should say his or her victim because there are a fair number of women who are traffickers. And the three tools uh, consist first of fraud or deception. The trafficker is trained to identify vulnerabilities. Now, in some instances, they're quite, quite obvious. The person's poor, they're destitute, they're desperate. And so it's easy to come along and say, uh, come with me, I know I, um, someone who will give you a good job in uh, the closest big town. Very hard to, well, first of all, he'll, he'll develop some trust relationship there. And then, Jay, uh, out of concern for you, I've got something better for you. And so, uh, well, I said in many cases it's obvious. I know of one instance where an individual uh, living in another country, and I am intentionally being vague, who had a, has a wonderful heart for the Lord, was tra trafficked by someone telling her about wonderful opportunities she'd have here in the United States to serve the Lord. So, like I said, traffickers are very good at identifying vulnerabilities. And then once the trap has snapped and the person's caught, then comes the seasoning process, which involves force, all kinds of physical abuse. I've heard uh, some people talk about some of the physical abuse that they have undergone and I sit there and I think, how, how can anyone even imagine doing the things that are done? 
And then the other part is the coercion, and I call the mental part. So there's the physical part, there's the mental part. The creation of fear, you can't escape. If you try to escape, we'll hunt you down and kill you, or we know where your family lives, or we know where your child is, and we will kill them. Or for someone who's brought here from another country who doesn't know English, and most of the people trafficked from other countries come from places where the police can't be trusted, so when the trafficker says the police will rape you and then return you to me and I'll rape you too, and then for extra measure beat you, there's every reason for the person to believe that. So, back to some numbers. 27 million people enslaved in the world today. According to the U.S. government, between 600 and 800,000 people are trafficked across international borders each year. And in the world of organized crime, human trafficking is a multi-billion dollar business, second only to drug trafficking, and it has just recently moved ahead of uh, gun trafficking. Mm -hmm. And all the experts who figure this stuff out are, are uh, stating that human trafficking will become the most profitable in the not too distant future. And why? Because you can sell a gun once, you can sell drugs once, you can sell a human over and over and over again. There are an estimated 200,000 American children at risk for being trafficked into the sex industry. Minnesota is among the top 13. 13 trafficking sites in the country, and that only relates to internationally, uh, international trafficking, people being trafficked into this, into Minnesota. Because we have an international border, seaport, airport, large um, refugee population, a large um, immigration population, immigrant population, We've got some wide open spaces where people can be hidden. Uh, and we have the financial capability to buy, to buy the slaves and to buy their services. So I already mentioned the average age of a girl being trafficked into prostitution is 12 in Minnesota. And as you can tell, slavery destroys the lives of its victims, putting that, them in extreme, at extreme risk for violence and disease. I was going to show you a DVD clip, but I, th I think it's getting too late uh, to do that. When we're done here, um, those of you who want to see I have a uh, not-for-sale DVD documentary. Uh, we, we can show the whole thing or parts of it, but it will help you get a better sense of uh, trafficking uh, both internationally as well as domestically. But I think I should um, pass on that right now. Paul, can I get a glass of water?
But what I will say, just to try to put a little flesh and blood to the statistics, imagine being illegally smuggled into a foreign country and forced to sell your body. Imagine having no freedom to speak, no freedom of movement. You couldn't come to a meeting like this. Imagine having absolutely no say in what happens to you and being constantly in fear. Imagine a feeling that there's no way out. Thank you very much. And this is the experience of thousands, even millions of people, mostly women and children, who endure unimaginable brutality every day. It is a global issue that needs global attention. It's a local issue that cries out for local attention. The statistics of modern slavery are staggering, and the stories of its victims are heartbreaking. So, what does God think about all of this? I'm just going to give you, I won't read all 100 pages of the verses in here. Just a smattering. This is what scripture says about what the trafficker does. He lies in wait like a lion in cover. He lies in wait to catch the helpless. He catches the helpless and drags them off in his net. In the plight of the victim, his victims are crushed. They collapse. They fall under his strength. Those are two verses from Psalm 10. Uh, someone read from Psalm 10 earlier. If you look through that psalm, it's, it tells you so much about the trafficker, the victim, and God's uh, response to that. So I commend Psalm 10 to you. So is there no hope? What does God think about it? Well, you know, that, that's an easy one. I think we can all say, ah, this is evil. God's against evil. And indeed, Scripture explicitly addresses human trafficking. In 1 Timothy, uh, slave traders are listed as... Um, among the sinful and ungodly. And hallelujah, in Revelation 18, we read that the day will come when the buying and selling of the bodies and souls of people will come to an end. We need to keep that in mind. So did Jesus say anything on this subject? Well, he didn't use the word slavery, and he addressed justice issues more broadly in uh, Matthew 23. He tells us that justice, mercy, and faithfulness are the more important matters of the law. Now, if you look back at the law, you could think, okay, sure, I can think, that, think of uh, some aspects of the law which are kind of minor and picky. Um, but Jesus compared it to tithing. Justice, mercy, and faithfulness. 
more important than tithing. Now, Jesus did not say, don't tithe. I mean, he, he said that. He go to Matthew 23, 23. He didn't say, don't tithe. He said, we need to do that. But you cannot ignore justice, mercy, and faithfulness. And that wasn't really a new message. Look at Micah 6, 8. What does the Lord require of you? To act justly and love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. I'm not going to read them, but I really encourage you to look at Isaiah 1 and Isaiah 58. They are knockout sections of scripture dealing with this issue. Summarized in what I just read. Um, Jesus was asked then um, well let me go back to um, Jesus' comment about justice, mercy and, and faithfulness um, first of all I, I'm told that the Jews considered all the laws of equal importance so it was um, something striking for him to say that there were some parts that were more important than others. But let's just talk a second about justice, because, okay, define justice. Well, justice is justice. You know, it's this big concept that hard to get your hands around. So... Well, let me help you. One word definition. Fairness. It's leveling the playing field between people with power and those without it. Power can be physical, economic, perceived, whatever gives one an advantage over another. Justice and God, Jesus is calling us to be fair. Now you say, well, I always thought justice related to punishment. Well, it does that too. The punishment has to be fair. So if you want to try to put your head around justice, think of fairness. So... What does uh, the word say about um, situations that lack justice? In Isaiah 59, we're told that the Lord is appalled when there is no one to intervene where there is no justice. It's not, he's upset. It's not, oh, he doesn't like it. It says, he's appalled. That's a word of force, of substance. It's meaty. There's nothing wishy-washy about it. He's appalled when no one responds when there is a desperate need for justice. And then in Psalm 12, we read that the Lord will respond to the oppression of the weak and the groaning of the needy, and he will protect them from those who malign them. It's talking about God's mercy and faithfulness. But what does that mean for you and me? 
It's God's job to care for these people, not ours. Well, I want to take us to some verses which uh, might surprise you with respect to how I see God's call for us. But God really laid these on my heart. I asked for the glass of water and haven't drunk any. I'm still dry. How is that? <laughs> now, when I was growing up, I heard, I knew, I memorized. Just all I had to memorize. I did memorize Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. For by grace, you are saved through faith. It's not of your own doing. It's a gift of God. Not because of works. Period. The end. Not because of works. And I heard over and over again that we're saved by faith. This is a faith walk we're involved in. And there was a very negative attitude toward those people who called themselves Christian who were doing works. My own view is Satan was standing back and applauding, saying, this is great, I love this. Because faith without works is dead. That's in the scripture too. And I don't know whether the word actually says this, but works without faith to me is also dead. In Matthew 22, an expert of the law, knowing that Jesus, that uh, the Jews considered all laws of equal importance, said, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. To me, Jesus' summary of the law in that way was just restated by Paul in Ephesians. Love God. Love God. Well, you know, John tells us that we love God because He loved us first. Our, our loving of God is a response to that love. But God loves not only you and me, He loves the trafficker, He loves the victims. He died, He bled, He suffered for each of them. And Jesus is saying, identify, identify with my sufferings and their sufferings and go and bring my love that I gave to you, bring my love to those who are hurting. I want to finish up 
uh, by playing the song. Um, I just met this individual, his name is Derek Washington. Just met him a couple weeks ago. And um, he gave me a copy of a CD, and some of the songs just really hit me. Uh, I'm going to read uh, this particular song, is called um, Will You Weep With Me? And I'm going to read uh, what he said about that. I've resolved for myself that this one question, will you weep with me, this one question from the Lord should be our total motivation and response to his love for us, the backbone for why and how we do missions in evangelism. We must allow our hearts to align with his heart, letting our hearts be broken over the things that break his heart and the things that cause him to rejoice. Let those very things cause us to rejoice. It is a fresh and living perspective to have, and I believe the foundation to our pursuit of holiness and what keeps us living fresh in our first love. And then there, um, he comments about a phrase in the song, uh, which is, will you bring to them my cross, which he says is distinctly different than, will you bring them to my cross? <coughs> the sense of bringing the... Um, Bringing, um, I'm sorry, bringing them to my cross. I'm drawing a blank here a second. Um, the, the part about will you bring to them my cross... mixed up here. Um, it's what it's instead of saying I'm going to bring the cross of Jesus to you that implies that I have the cross I have something you don't have I'm really I'm in a better spot than you and by saying Will you bring them to my cross puts us where we are in identification with a fellow human being who needs the cross because we need the cross as much as they do. So, um, if we can get the CD player going. Um, Is it in there? I, well, as far as I know it is, but I don't know where the CD player is. <laughs> well, it's over there. That's the DVD player. You gave the CD to Israel, I think. Yeah. Pardon? I think you gave the CD to Israel. So it should be in there. It could be anywhere. Might already be in there. He was going to set it up for the third song. I don't know if it's Let's play and find out.
Something was modeled for us tonight. It was uh, more than a teaching. Something was modeled. Somebody that has tools and has chosen to weep for people that that are in need, and that's a powerful thing for us. Just to think about that. That that uh, a lot of people don't want to weep. You know, they want to be happy. But he has uh, been willing to. Uh, weep and to go after those who are weeping. I just have a really quick question. Like, um, briefly, how can we help people who are like, stuck in this? You know, I, I'm sure the material, yeah, uh, that's a great question. And I, I, I think um, in the interest of time, let's look at the material and then afterwards, we're going we're gonna to invite some people to go down and see. Will, will that include uh, We can talk about that, yeah. Okay. Um, and if you sign up on the website, you'll get some information about um, things that are going on, how you can respond, how you can, can help. That's, that's the obvious question after this, Mike. I mean, it's, 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 it begs to be answered. I want to I bless him. I want you to help me. Uh, he's modeled something for us. And I want to pray for you because, uh, you know, to hear things like this, it's easy for us to, uh, we don't want to weep. I want to be happy. But the, the, the closer we are to Jesus, the more we're willing to weep. And it may not be this thing that causes you to weep. When I ask people, how, what's your dream? One of the ways to find out is what makes you cry. What do you cry about? What, what things hurt you the most? So I thank you, Father, for Dick. He's willing to weep for something so ugly, so perverse. 
and uh, he knows about it, and he's helping other people to learn about it. And Lord, we're sorry that we just want to be happy in ourselves, and sometimes we're not willing to weep about things that you're weeping about. So we bless our brother, and we pray that you would extend his influence. We pray that you would give him success where he goes to help fight what is going on in our city, in our Mm. state. Mm. And now I want to bless you, uh, folks. I I want to bless you that you will not avoid pain. Mm. We are so conditioned that when we have pain or tension, we want to get rid of it somehow by taking something or sleeping it off. But I pray that God will enable you yes. to, to f- see pain in others and feel, feel pain in others and desire to do something about that. Whatever it is, Father, I pray that you would show these young people what part in alleviating pain their job is. In order to do that, that they would find places of pain, that they would go where people are really sad and broken. Mm. Now I want to pray for somebody who's going in, in a couple of days. It's, you know Hannah's heart. You know that she has a heart for for people in pain and she's going to be going to an island off the Philippines, isn't it? Or out there. Just those of you who are close, her mom's here tonight. Diana, welcome. Hey. Could I come in here just a second? I, I Actually, I want to um, talk to you, Diana, first. Um, I met Diana for the first time uh, earlier this evening. Um, you know a little bit about her from um, what Hannah has told me. But I concluded you are a woman of great faith. And you may be wondering, well, how can I conclude that so quickly without really knowing her? But Hannah is a mother. <laughs> And her second child, right? Okay. <laughs> is going off to the Philippines. And we might think, why in the world would anyone want to go to the Philippines? <laughs> uh, it's a different culture, it's different food, it's not as safe as here, it's warm. Oh, maybe that's why. (laughs) But uh, being a father, my wife, uh, we've seen our children go in different places and um, it would be easy to grab on and say, no, don't go. You can't go. You may have probably had those thoughts at times. Um, but you're releasing Hannah. And I, I want to share something that, that God um, gave to me many years ago when our oldest son was a toddler or so, I don't know, about two years old or so. And he walked or toddled over to some cement steps, about three or four going up to a porch. And so, okay, I'm dad, I'm thinking, okay, now I could run over and I could swoop him up and put him up 
on the top of the stairs, but I, I don't want to squelch his adventuresome spirit, let him go, but oh, I don't want him to fall and scrape his knee, and then he'll cry, and part of it is I didn't want him crying, I was less concerned about him than me having to deal with that. But fortunately, my wife is a nurse, and so she <laughs> but So I put my hands within like a quarter inch of him on either side, because I thought, okay, he won't know that I'm doing this, but if he falls, I'll grab him before he hurts himself. And he slipped and he fell, and I didn't grab him, and he cried. And I stepped back, and God said to me, You cannot protect him. Only I can. And you're releasing Hannah into God's hands in a very real way. And I bless you for that. Bless you for that. One of you close to Hannah, you lead out and, and pray. One of you girls that are close there. Good and, good and strong. So. Heavenly Father, I just uh, release Hannah into the hands of her personal advocate, the Almighty God of the universe. The all-powerful one, the all-knowing one. There's no situation she'll find herself in that you don't know about. There's no situation she'll find herself in that is too big for you, God. And um, out of all the people in all the world that love her, your love is so much more than all of them combined. I thank you, God, that you go with Hannah. I pray, Lord, that she would do mighty works for you. God, that um, <clears throat> she would work for the oppressed and those who are broken and hurting, that you would give her success in the Philippines, in the orphanages. Mm -hmm. Father, I just thank you for the love that you've given to Hannah, not just to pour out on people, and I just thank you that you shine through her, no matter where she is, whether she's here or ministering in uh, a ministry setting, God, I just thank you for the heart that you've given her to pour out and to, to love on other people. And Father, as you bring her into this season, God, of serving in the Philippines, God, I just ask that you would make yourself even more real to her. God, that as she pours out her love on on orphans and on, on everyone that she comes around, God, that you would be pouring into her in a, in a more deep and in a more real way. God, I just ask that you would reveal your heart even more to her in a personal way, God, when she goes into the place in Jesus' name. Yes, Holy Spirit, I just ask that you shine like you done. Lord God, that you be Hannah's strength, Lord, that you be her guide, that you be her light, Lord Jesus. Come down on her right now, Lord. Protect her. Put your protection over her family, Lord God. Be her mom. Be her light. In Jesus' name. Here's what I want us to do in the last uh, four or five minutes. I want you to turn, guys with guys, two or three uh, guys together, two or three girls together. Think through uh, what's my response to what I've heard tonight. Turn it into a prayer.
what may God be saying to me, what may God be stirring in my heart, how can I respond in a godly way to what I've heard. Remember, we're signing several things, possibilities. If you're new and you haven't signed up and you want to get the update, it's traveling around here somewhere. Okay, let's keep it, keep it. Was that it? Someone took it off. Yeah, it's out there somewhere. Okay. And then if you want to sign up for some service opportunity, if you want to sign the card, uh, do that. Pick up materials. Then at uh, at 10, we'll do one of, one of three things. We'll have people out here at the table. If you want to go out and have something to eat, you can go downstairs. And at this point, I would suggest we, we consider watching part of it. Yes. Watching part of, of uh, the movie on uh, documentary on sex trafficking, or stay in here. Some of you want to stay in here and be on the receiving or giving into prayer. Uh, you got several options. Or if you gotta go, you gotta go. You know, some of you gotta, gotta go. Yes, you gotta. Um, can I just ask that before we close up in like the groups that we lift up all of these victims in prayer? Please. So wonderful. Trafficking victims in prayer. Mm-hmm. I think it's just, I mean, it's one thing to, to pray for God to put the word on our heart, but they just need Would you like to lead in that? I would, I would love to. Okay, yeah. go ahead. Good and loud. Okay. Do it right now. Okay. Do good and loud. Um, Heavenly Father, um, I just thank you for um, your servant who has come to speak to us tonight. Um, and just um, be a, to, to just make us aware of of this going on in the world. Um, and we just lift up your children to you. Um, so many of them all over this world that are just hurting um, and being hurt so much. Um, we just we lift them up to you um, wherever they might be um, scared um, of what might happen to them um, in the next day or whatever it might be. And we, we just ask that you, um, you would just shine the light in their life. Um, they are probably surrounded by so much darkness. Um, but that you would just, they would see your light um, somehow. Um, whether it be um, someone coming into their lives and rescuing them. Um, or just somehow just seeing your love um, and knowing that you love them. Um, that um, what they are going through is not their fault at all, that you love them so much and that you want the best for them um, no matter where they are right now. And we, we just lift them up to you and pray that, that you would send more of those people out there, more of your servants out there to, to rescue them and to sh- continue to show them your love. Um, in, in bringing them um, back to somewhat of a normal life, and, um, we just we just lift them up to you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus name.